Hello, and thanks for joining the Money Happy Hour, where we make every hour a happy hour for your money. I'm your host, Tom, the Savings Captain. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining. In this episode, we're going to cover the psychology of money, and we're going to borrow a few stories from Morgan Housel's bestseller on this topic. I'm also going to share an answer to a question I've commonly received through the years in a segment called Ask the Savings Captain. The topic always begins something like this. When people learn that I have experience in the financial services industry as a financial advisor, the thing they want to know is, what's your hot, what's your hot stock tip? So please stick around. Um, but hey, before we jump in, where a lot of us are just meeting for the first time, and let me share a bit about myself and really the catalyst for starting the whole Money Happy Hour. So I have been in the financial services industry, or I was in the financial services industry for 32 years. I don't claim to be a know-it-all. I learn something new every day. Earlier this year, I did leave the financial services industry. But I learned a lot along the way. I made a lot of personal mistakes with money along the way. I learned along the way as I made those personal mistakes. When I worked with individuals and in handling their money, there were a handful of things I really observed, noticed, and called out. The differentiators, I call them, and who was successful with money, how they were successful, why they were successful with money. So I learned that day in and day out. I also noticed over the last, I'd say, several years, decade or so, we have had such an emergence in technology, ways to simplify handling money. But yet we still have the same problems handling money. You know, currently 60-something percent of Americans struggle, live paycheck to paycheck, can't meet an emergency of $400 if it should come up. So the technology's changed. Media has changed. There's, there's so much information out there on the Internet, just one tap away on the phone. But there's still a missing link. Why is that? Hey, these are some of the catalysts that brought along the money happy hour. But finally, last year, um, it was August of last year, I developed a plan. I called it Freedom 55. And the reason I called it that was I was looking – I was looking forward, you know, taking some self-reflection. I had just turned 54 last August, and I had just finished my 32nd year in the financial services industry, and I put a few, I'd call goals out there, things that I wanted to accomplish by the time I turned 55. Um, so one goal was I could stay in the financial services industry for a 33rd year, but I didn't see that as fruitful. It just wasn't as fulfilling anymore. Perhaps the biggest motivation last year, very sadly, um, my dear sister, she succumbed to, uh, lost her battle with a very sudden, uh, sudden uh, and, and a very serious brain cancer. So my dear sisters, you know, I kind of learned something from her life, and she was always a big inspiration to me, a motivator, and saying, you know, Tom, try new things. Try new things. You're creative. You're innovative, entrepreneurial. So I'd say those two forces combined, me taking a little bit of self-reflection, and my dear sister, Celine, I love you. Thank you for the inspiration and guidance. Really was big turning points in starting this. 
And I also want to share my wife. Uh, she was also very instrumental. She said, why don't you go teach people? You know, go to the community college or local college. You got your CFP, MBA experience. They'd hire you. Well, I certainly think higher education is a very noble cause. But it, I, I just didn't feel called to talk with to 30 people at a time in a classroom setting. Some of them who didn't even want to maybe be there or just had to be there. Um, I thought this would be a much broader reach. So that's a little bit about me. Um, if you notice the podcast art, it was very creatively or intentionally created to hopefully drive a couple themes. Money should be fun. I think often we think of money as some oh prison, if you will, some uh, some point of pain. And I know it can be painful, but if we can arrive at the point where it can be a little bit more fun, as I call it, making every hour your happy your happy hour for money, I think we're going to all end up being a lot lot more successful. If you notice in the art, I use four words, plan, save, invest, and live. And those four words, I chose them carefully because I think those are, every one of us is probably in a different stage in handling our money. And sometimes we weave back and forth across those stages. But I, I do want to mention plan specifically means have a plan, have a, have a financial freedom plan. Determine your why for your money. Of course, you've got to save money, and ultimately, you've got to invest if you really want to build true financial success. And of course, the most important part of it, I think, is live. Live your best life. So regardless of where you are in those stages, there's still an important, I think, an important opportunity to weave that in there. So my goal simply with this podcast is I really want to reach 125,000 people. Um, help them along their financial journey by the year 2025. It's an aspirational goal, and thank you for joining it, joining along today. So that's who I am. That's Tom, the savings captain. That's my story. But what does your story contain? What statements do they contain? Uh, do they th- do they start out with something like, "Hey, I don't save or invest because I'm not good with numbers." Hey, I hear that one a lot. Hey, I don't know where all my money goes. There's no possible way I can start investing. That's understandable. That's another big pitfall in handling money. Um, some people say, hey, I, I, I've got it all. I've got money. I'm just not sure what to do, where to go, where to save, where to invest. Or maybe, congratulations, you have been investing for a while. But, hey, as I mentioned, I've been in the industry or was in the industry for 32 years it's a lifelong learning process. So if you're investing currently, there's a great way to kind of hone your knowledge and maybe share your knowledge with some of our listeners. So we're going to accomplish this each week, one episode at a time. Those will be the building blocks to making our money, our happy hour for money. Um, We're going to do this through different topics every week. We're going to do this through carefully selected guest interviews panels that I'll bring in, talking about how people overcame obstacles, what they're currently doing, and I think we'll all learn and get motivated from that. So before I go any further and really jump in, I just want to say if you have not done so already, please follow this podcast and share it. You can also follow me for daily content on Twitter. My handle is at savingscaptain.com. And also on Instagram at the set at the savings captain. Again, please follow, help get the word out there and help get this to those that really need to benefit from this message.
So let's jump in. Let's start thinking about breaking down how our mind thinks about our money. And I think when we step back, it will we'll say it probably makes a lot of sense, but at first we think, hey, it has everything to do with calculators, numbers, and spreadsheets. Well, that's true. That's just measuring money, but that's not controlling our money. The real starting point doesn't occur on a spreadsheet. It really, it really, um, it really starts in our mind. And I always use this example. If you're starting something new, if you have a goal to achieve something, so maybe with money it's saving your first $1,000. Maybe it's continuing to max out an IRA. Those are the end points. That's the end goal. When we start something new, sometimes we get so caught up on all the beginning steps, the input, we lose track of our why. So think about it. I always use this example around weight loss. Are you tired of feeling lost in the world of trading and investing? Get informed and inspired with the Talking Trading Podcast. I'm Louise Bedford, and I'll help you navigate the markets like a pro. Tune in each week and subscribe now at talkingtrading.com.au or on your favorite podcast app, or check out the link in the show notes. Talking Trading, this is how traders excel. We try to lose weight, we go on a diet. We go on a diet, we start on it for a few weeks. Hey, everything's working, we're maybe getting some exercise, controlling controlling our food intake, doing all that good stuff. And then what happens three weeks into the diet or the first sight at a ch- piece of chocolate cake, you're off the diet, and then all of a sudden the diet's not working, so why diet? The same thing happens with our money, right? We go into a weight loss program or a weight loss plan with an actual goal in mind, much more likely to stick, stick to it. You're two to three times more likely to stick to reaching your end goal. It's no different with money, and that's why budgets is a great activity when it comes to money, but I think budget is like the dietary equivalent to the word diet. It just doesn't work. It only focuses on the input. I've tried it when I was much younger, and it wasn't the act of budgeting that didn't work. It was me. I would break down. I didn't have a goal or an end result in mind. So I think that's a big big factor there. Once we learn to control our mind, uh, once we learn to control our mind, our outcomes will be a whole heck of a lot more successful. So... That's why I use the word plan instead of budget, and that's short for a financial freedom plan. So what is a financial freedom plan? How is that different? How is that different from budgeting? So budgeting, again, is going through everything you spent over the past 30 days. You know, where did you spend money on eating out? You know, wasting money. Where can you cut back? Now, you ultimately need to do that to, to look at where your money's going, but when you actually do that, think of the why, why you're doing it. You're doing it from a financial freedom plan standpoint. You're hoping that 
by the end of the year, you're going to reach your goal. You're hoping that your freedom plan is never to have a bill collector call you again. That's what you, that's your goal, and that's going to drive you being successful with your money. So a couple of examples of what a financial freedom plan might sound like be something like this. By January, I'll have an emergency fund of at least three months of my income. Or maybe you're beyond that step, and it's simply, I'll max out my annual IRA contribution this year. So every, for every person's financial freedom plan is going to be a bit different. There's never a one-size-fits-all approach with money, nor really should there be. So please, if you remember one thing from our time together today, remember, clearly define your why with whatever you're doing with money, whatever stage you're in, you'll be much more effective to, to adhering to your spending, investing, and your financial goals. So as I mentioned, I learned this working with thousands of individuals in the financial services industry over the last three decades. I learned this through personal experiences. The other thing I really learned and enjoyed was the act of anytime I could bring a story to the topic of money, thumbs up. It made it a heck of a lot more interesting, tangible, and engaging. So I do want to jump in. Uh, I mentioned at the front of our time together that I was going to borrow a couple of stories from the psychology of money if you're not familiar with this book, it's a great, easy read. It's written by Morgan Housel, a New York Times bestseller, uh, millions of copies sold, but it really gets into the breaking down the barriers of, of money controlling your mind. So the story I always like to tell, and it's a story of two people, we'll call them a story of two Ronalds. So one Ronald was really successful with their money, and you guessed it, the other Ronald was not successful with their money. Oh, that's not too engaging, that's not too interesting. Well, what if I told you this? What if I said one Ronald had every, had every headwind going for them financially, every obstacle that you can imagine, and the other Ronald had every opportunity? But ultimately, the one with the most obstacles, ended up being successful for money. So Ronald Reed, you may have never heard of Ronald Reed. Maybe you heard this story. It was a story that went viral, oh, a good 10 years or so ago. But Ronald Reed, he was born in a, a remote area of Vermont. Um, he ended up being a philanthropist. But before he was a philanthropist, that's a, he was a janitor, a gas station attendant, chopped firewood as a hobby and then later became a philanthropist. So how did he do that? So Ronald Reed was a pretty quiet person most of his life. You know, he, um, he acted in silence, and he built in silence, and I think he ultimately rewarded his community and family quite well. So Ronald Reed worked at places like gas stations, swept floors at J.C. Penney's, lived a very modest life. While he was working, he did build a two-room, a two-bedroom house at the age of at the at the age of 38 for about $12,000, and he lived there quite comfortably for the rest of his life with his wife. Uh, Ronald was widowed, 
at about age 50, never remarried, had a couple of stepkids. And then suddenly in 2014, at the age of 92, uh, Ronald Reed passed away. And this is where his story became uh, a lot more commonly known. After he died, it turned out he died with an estate of uh, $8 million, of which he gave $2 million to his stepkids, set them up financially for life, and then gave $6 million back to help out the local hospital and local library. And no one knew that. No one expected that. Uh, he had amassed that, that fortune. When they looked at him, he was always dressed rather plainly, lived in a modest house. Who would ever have thought that a person from such means, uh, barely high school educated, could amass such a fortune? To show you how rare that is, in the year of 2014, close to 3 million Americans died. Only 4,000 people had a net worth of $8 million or over. So how did he crack that code? How did he crack that code? You guessed it, it was his, in his mind how he structured things. He just as easily could have said, I'm a janitor, I'm never going to be wealthy, I'm never going to make much for myself financially. Well, he did the complete opposite, both for his family and his community. So then we're going to meet, I'll, I'll fictitiously say this, another Ronald. Well, this Ronald had everything going for them. You guessed it, Ivy League educated. They were an executive at Merrill Lynch. They had an MBA in finance, a successful career. The CEO at, at Merrill Lynch said, this guy has got sound judgment, great personal integrity. He was listed in the 40 under 40 of most successful business people in Crane's magazine. Sound like our second man, Ronald, had everything going for him. But this is where things fell apart for him. He was spending everything he made and more. If you remember in 2008, the housing crisis hit. At that time, Ronald had um, bought a house and bought several houses, sunk a lot of money into it, invested in the houses. And then he found himself too high in debt couldn't make the payments, and guess what? It was the worst possible time in the, in the economy. Not only he, could he not make the payments, he couldn't get rid of the house. No one wanted to be saddled with a house in 2008. The whole housing market stagnated. Well, he was stuck with it, ended up having to declare bankruptcy, foreclosed on the houses. So hopefully you can see in those two stories it, a lot of it just comes down to how you manage your money, how your mind, how your mind operates around money. So as you think about your money, which Ronald do you want to be more like? I think the lesson learned is whenever I've lived within my means and whenever I cooperated with my money, coincidentally, my money seemed to cooperate with me. And that's one of the big things I've noticed working with money, working with people and their money. So one other thing I think that really comes out is there are no soft skills with money. No soft, they're, they're all soft skills rather. There's no, very seldom, maybe 10% or less does actual calculations and spreadsheets come into being successful with money. You really have to start out, you really have to start out with, um, with the mindset, with the mindset of your money. So hope you enjoyed that story. Each week we'll bring different stories like that. 
that I come across, that I've experienced, or from our guest, and, and hopefully we'll uh, learn from that quite well. So let's move over to the Ask the Savings Captain segment. So this is a question I would get quite frequently. What's a hot stock tip? And early in my career, I would always take the bait, and I'd always think of a stock that maybe I had read about, but I don't think there are any hot stock tips. And when I say that, Sure, there's individual stocks that are going to do well, but usually when that question comes at me, it's coming from a different angle. What they're saying, what they're asking me is, what's a hot stock tip? But often it's coming from a person who is still trying to plan, save, invest, do those additional components. For that individual, there probably shouldn't be an individual hot stock tip. Instead, it should be, hey, let's break down, let's break down what you're doing with your money. Open up an IRA. Do you have a savings account? Start there first. Start there first before we can even start thinking about individual stocks and hot stock tips. Now, of course, if it's a person that's already been investing a lot, um, I've been able to determine and, and say, you know, who's asking the question? Why are they asking it? Hey, hey, there's that key word again, why? Remember we talked about that why? The why behind, behind your money? The same thing comes through and true with a question. Like, why are you asking if there's a hot stock tip? So I would say for most people, it really shouldn't be, you know, banking on finding a hot stock tip. You know, that's almost the same approach of, Hey, what's the winning lottery ticket number? That's going to set me free. That's hinging your financial success on just one sudden outcome, and it really doesn't have to be that way. It shouldn't be that way. There's a much better odds in doing that. So next week, we're going to talk a little bit about, we're going to continue the psychology of money. We're going to look at a couple of interesting topics. We're going to look at a couple of interesting topics in next week's podcast. Um, if you do have any questions, if you do have questions for future episodes, please send them in your comments or email them to me at thesavingscaptain at gmail.com. And I'll read those on the air. Of course, I'll protect, um, I'll provide anonymity. Just mention maybe a city or a first name where it's coming from. Uh, any observations like that, any questions, just send them along because this really is going to be a community of learning, building, and growing. And I think we all have something to learn and share with one another. So next week's episode is going to be talked a little bit about the media and what they, what they do. And this usually comes out the beginning of the year when everyone's setting their New Year's resolutions. It's usually a title like eight, eight ways to save money, six, six things you can do today to better save or invest. And we're going to break down a common list of those. It's probably going to be about 10 things. And we're going to go through it. And I'm going to show how to make those actually actionable and kind of shoot holes in, in that what I call a very boilerplate, one-size-fits-all advice. So be sure to come back next week as we break that down again. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and follow, share this, add your comments. It really helps it really helps the algorithm out and gets this message out to more and more people. So that's it 
I do want to say thank you. Thanks for joining the Money Happy Hour. And on the Money Happy Hour, we make every hour a happy hour for your money. Thank you.